Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Page 20. Lies and disclaimers of men. Look at this. This is just like church. They all show up at the last second. It was funny when we started getting into the... uh, we, we told some of our friends that we were going to get into the healing ministry, and they thought we were nuts. And um, it's amazing the number of excuses people will come up with why God still doesn't heal today or why we, we shouldn't see it today. You will need to be ready to be challenged that God is still healing today and that there is a cost and a price to pay. I will tell you, you know, salvation is free the baptism of the Holy Spirit is free. Everything else is going to cost. And it's, you know, it, I think sometimes God is looking to see how dedicated we are, how much we're going to put into it, be, you know, and that will depend on how much he puts into it. Um, but, you know, you talk to people that really are not as like-minded about healing as we are, And the first thing they want to bring up is, well, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. Oh, I love Paul's thorn in the flesh story. Because you find out really quick who has and who hasn't been reading their Bible right. If somebody would please read 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Yes. Now, the one thing I want to tell you about this this syllabus that you have in your hands is, I tried, I, I tried very very hard not to take scripture out of context, so it didn't read what I wanted it to say. I wanted it to read the way what God wanted to say. So I will tell you that if there's something in this teaching that kind of rubs you the wrong way and you think I'm preaching heresy which I'm not. I want you to go and read the scriptures above that and read the scriptures below that. Okay? And get the full get the full thing. Um, in 2 Corinthians, what she just read was to keep me from being too elated. A thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. You know, uh, you know the story of Paul and where he was and where he came from and, and now he's He's writing a good portion of the New Testament. He's seen things, signs, wonders, and miracles everywhere he goes. And, and it would be easy to get a big head. I think we've seen pastors get big heads and fall from grace. Um, but this wasn't a thorn. I mean, it wasn't sickness. Yeah, I've heard teaching that it was a, uh, what they called a Judaizer. And this was a guy who, when Paul was teaching wherever he was teaching, this guy would, these people would show up and they would heckle him. They would protest. Okay? And they would try to get the people's attention off what Paul was saying and onto what they were saying. And it's no different today. You, you know, uh, some dignitary, the, the president of the United States or a president from any country, a king from any country, shows up and there's always these people that want to protest and get your attention off of what's being said onto what they're doing. And it's a distraction. And that's what this was. It was a messenger sent, a messenger of Satan sent to torment him. But there's all a lot of different kinds of thorns. If somebody would read 3355, please. Numbers 3355. Okay. And if somebody would read Joshua 23:13 Okay. And Judges 2:3 now I say, I will not drive them out before you, 
but they shall become adversaries, thrones, to you, and their God shall be a snare to you. They're going to be pains, not necessarily sickness, but things that cause you problems. Yeah, I think we have an issue with this in our country today. And it's a real tension for Christians. I'm not, I'm not going to get on a political soapbox, but I mean, we see the same things happening, you know, thousands of years ago in the Old Testament are happening again today. You know? The tension is, is that we're supposed to love them like Christ did. Jesus died. Jesus died for the, for the Muslim. Jesus died for the Hindu, the Buddhist. He died for them. They are made in his image. We are called to love them just the way he did. But we deal with stuff like this. Number two, God made me sick to teach me a lesson. Jesus, did Jesus ever put sickness on anyone? No. Jesus showed us what God is like and how God works and what God's will is for us. When I, when I first found out that I had um, cancer, long before that, about a year or two before that, I started praying, God, use me. Use me. I didn't know what I was praying. You know, I really didn't. Um, I just know that there had to be more. I remember being uh, sitting in the Catholic church when I was uh, in junior high going, there's got to be more. There's just got to be more. And I really didn't know what, but I figured there had to be more. And then, you know, in my, uh, in my early 30s, it's like, God, use me. And I had no idea what that meant, you know. So when I, when I found out that I had cancer, I figured that God needed to get my attention and he needed, me to, needed to clean some things up, that, that he wanted to teach me a lesson. And that was not true at all. That was not true at all. Jesus never put sickness on anybody. I must be sick for God's glory. How is God glorified if you're sick? How can he use you if you're in bed? You know what? I'll tell you the same thing. It's the same thing about being poor. You know, I'm, God, must, God must want me to be poor. No, God doesn't want you to be poor. God wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be healthy, and he wants you to be wealthy. Because then you can go out and bless people. And, and, you know, it's fun to think about what you would do if you uh, won that big jackpot lottery thing they had a month or so ago. What would you do with a billion dollars? You know, um, it's changed for me over, you know, I would have told you 20 years ago, all the toys I would have bought. <coughs> you know, uh, today I would tell you about how many people's houses I would pay off and have them pay it forward. I know a family in Africa that would not ever have to worry again. You know, I mean, just to give it away. And that's what he would do because he trusts you. God gets no glory from you sick in bed whining about your, your sniffling and your aches and your pains. And, and you know, the, the first time we did, when we started Healing Rooms, we sent out uh, letters to friends, if, to see if they were interested in learning more about healing. And, and this was not a booklet. I mean, it was, it was two pages on that first, that first meeting in our house. The other thing about the first meeting in our house was is that I was sick as a dog. <laughs> I, had, I found out I had strep throat. I had a temperature of 103, and I couldn't wait for these people to get out of my house so I could go to bed. <laughs> I was pathetic. The second time we taught things in our taught a class in our house, I had a bone spur in my in my right in my right foot, and it just was so painful I couldn't hardly put my foot down. And so um, I taught I, I taught that night with my foot up on a chair or something. I'm in so much pain, and I go, "This is really good, God. Here I am talking about healing, and I just want these people to go home." What had happened was that that pain in my foot had gotten so bad that, that you know, I, used to, I would pray every day on my way to work, but I was so focused on having to stand on that foot for eight hours a day, and, you know, that I just, I quit praying. And I didn't even notice I quit praying. I was more worried about this foot than I was praying. Finally, one day, the Holy Spirit says, you know, you haven't prayed for two weeks. And I said, that's right, I haven't. And so I started praying uh, again, 
and it, did it magically go away? No. You know, I ended up going to a foot doctor and getting orthotics and all that. I tell you, I'm not above going to the doctor. My faith doesn't come from the doctor. I know who the healer is, but you know what? God uses doctors and nurses, and he uses medicine, and he gave you a brain to figure that out. You should know when you need to go to the doctor, and you should know when you need to stand for healing. But anyway, he doesn't get any glory out of you being sick. I just don't have enough faith. Is it a lack of faith, or is it a lack of knowledge? If somebody would read Hosea 4, 6, and 7, please. To shame. It's not about faith. It's not a lack of faith. You have more than enough faith. We've all been given a measure of faith. What's fun about faith is you can grow it, you can stretch it, you can give it away. You know, the more you give away, the more you get. That's just how God economics work. If if you have enough faith that you hit the button on your radio in your car to go to K-Love or to hit that, that worship CD that you, that you love, you've got more than enough faith to be healed. If you pick up the remote control and you, you switch it to TBN or, or Kenneth Copeland Network or, or anything like that, you have got enough faith to be healed. Now think about you're going to get up out of your home, and you're going to drive across town to a healing room. <laughs> You've got way more than enough faith to be healed. It's not about faith. It's not about um, a lack of faith. I don't have enough faith. Well, you know what? Maybe your faith is running a little low. Maybe because you're in the midst of this storm and you can't see what's going on. But you still have faith. So what you do is you you, you want to find somebody that you can join your faith with their faith. And you come to the healing rooms, and here's this crazy, crazy bunch of people that are just willing to give you all of their faith. Give you the whole thing, and they'll join their faith with your faith, and all of a sudden now you have more than enough. Okay, It's not about faith. It's about lack of knowledge. The church just doesn't do a good job about teaching, about about healing the way that it should. It doesn't really do a good job about teaching about heaven. I'm sorry, they don't. If, um, if we were to turn most of these lights off, there would still be light in here, but it would be really dim. We turned all the lights off in this section and we left them on back over there where all those tables are. That's where the, that's, I would say that's where the church's faith is today but it's growing. You know, it's not as bright as it should be like this in here. It's dim. What we need to do is we need to just come and we just need to start opening these pockets of healing and, and letting God move the way that he wants to move. We see an increase of people in the healing rooms because they can't afford insurance. They don't have option A, B, or C. They have option A, God. If God doesn't show up, it's not going to happen. It's not about a lack of faith. It's a lack of knowledge. People simply have not read their Bible. And what you have here in your hands is, is we've dug out most of the healing scriptures for you, and they're right there. And we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna show you how to pray, and we're going to share how we pray, and we're going to do all of that. But if you take this home and you put it with all those other syllabuses you got from all those other different classes you've gone to, all those other Bible studies that you've been to, conferences, you're going to lose it. You either use it or you'll lose it. And that's not even prophetic. That's just a fact. God will heal me if it's his will. If it's not the will of God, then why would he send his son Jesus? It's God's will that you would be prosper. 
in every area, every area of your life. The truth is, page 21, Philippians 4.19, my God will fully satisfy every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. That's the truth. If somebody would read 2 Peter 3.9, Amen. First Corinthians fifteen fifty one fifty We will be changed. You get a new body. You got a new body when you were born again and asked Jesus into your life. And you're going to get another one. Uh, a new body 2.0. You're not going to die. You can't kill a spirit. You are a spirit being in a fleshly body. You can't kill a spirit. You're never going to die. You realize that for the non-believer people who don't believe in Jesus, this is the only heaven they'll ever know. Right here, right now. This is the only heaven they'll ever know. I don't know about you, but I did not have a heaven encounter this weekend, or this week at work. I had a tough week. But for the believer, for those who say Jesus is Lord, this is the only hell we'll ever know. That's fun. I can't wait to get to heaven. I've told Janet, if I die, don't call me back, okay? I love you, babe, but you know what? I don't want to come back. We want people to stay forever and ever and ever because we're selfish, okay? We love them too much, and we don't want to be alone. We don't want to miss them, but how could we ever call them back from glory? Oh, my gosh. Heaven is so amazing. Heaven is so amazing. We'll talk more about that tomorrow. Philippians 3.21, if somebody would read that. Amen. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. And we've already read 1 Peter 2.24. In Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. That right there tells you that, you know what, he still heals people today. He hasn't changed. People go, oh, he's doing a new thing. No, he's not doing a new thing. He's doing the old thing in new ways. You know what? I mean, he's creative. He loves to do, he loves surprises, and he loves to do things in a new way. I think sometimes he just likes to shock us, you know? Uh, there's nothing better than a suddenly, you know, when God suddenly shows up and does something. When that check suddenly shows up in the mail, or that bonus, or that job, that suddenly. Any questions to this point? Again, we're just laying foundation here. No? I'm doing a really good job. Thank you. Faith and trust, page 22. The definition of faith. A belief, a loyalty, or a trust. Spiritual attitude involving activity. Faith is the activator of prayer in the spiritual realm. Our faith must be combined with love action, and prayer. Faith is the activator of prayer in the spiritual realm. When we pray for people, and, you know, anymore, you know, I, I shouldn't, but I, do, I forget to do this in the healing room. If we pray for somebody's back, we ask them to do something that they couldn't do before. We're putting action to our prayers and seeing if they, they can do something. Or we get them, you know, 
get them to move their arm. Well, a few weeks ago, we had somebody that couldn't move their arm any higher than that right there. And by the time they got done praying, they, they were praising the Lord. My favorite story about this is uh, I went and visited this church on a Saturday night. Yes, I was double dipping. I was going Saturday night somewhere and somewhere else on Sunday morning. And they asked me to pray for this. They had a word of knowledge for a guy's back. This guy came up and he wanted prayer for his back. And so they go, would you come down and would you pray for his back? And I said, sure, I'll do that. And, and so uh, <laughs> I went down and I prayed for this guy's back. And I said, Lord, I ask that you would just, that you would, that you would align the vertebrae. I command the vertebrae to come into alignment with the Word of God, which is perfect, that they would be perfectly on top of one another. I command the disc to all be in the right position, at the right size, that all there would be no irritation or inflammation in Jesus' name. I bless his muscles to hold those vertebrae there, and I bless the ligaments and the tendons to do their job. I bless them in Jesus' name. And um, I said, okay. I said, now... Go ahead and bend over. And he looked at me and goes, no way, bud. <laughs> and I, I, that, that, that took me by surprise. I said, what? He goes, no way, bud. I'm not bending over for anybody. My back hurts. And I said, but we just prayed for it. I want you to bend over. No way, bud. If he'd have called me bud one more time... I think I would have slapped him in the name of Jesus. He would not, he, no, he wasn't going to do it. He wasn't going to do it. And I remember going home that night and telling Jan, I prayed for this guy, he started calling me Bud, and he wouldn't bend over. And I told her, I said, I was going to hit him. I knew who this guy was, and I had seen him at that church off and on for over a year. And I went, and I went to a men's thing. I was invited to a men's thing, and and I don't, I don't usually do that, but I went this time, and, and they're sitting around, and they're talking, and they're praying, and this guy, Bud, came up and sat down next to me. He goes, he goes uh, I don't know if you remember me, and I'm thinking to myself, oh yeah, Bud, I remember you. I have not forgotten you at all. And I go, yeah, I remember you. You know, I'm smart enough to keep my mouth shut now. And, I, and he goes, well, I need to tell you something. And I said, yeah, what's that? And he goes, well, you prayed for me about a year ago in a church on a Saturday night. And I, you know, I faked it. Yeah. <laughs> I think I remember that. And uh, he goes, you asked me to bend over. I said, that's right. And I go, and you didn't want to. He goes, you need to know that my pain on a scale, a, a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the worst, was, you know, 15. I was in a lot of pain. He goes, I couldn't, you know, I just, there was just no way I was going to. But what you don't know is when I walked out to my car, that pain went from a 15 down to a 5. By the time I got to my car, it was still a 5 by the time I went home and I went to bed and I got up the next morning and I had no pain at all for the first time in I don't know how long. And I'm thinking, that's right, bud, you didn't. <laughs> I go, that's amazing. I go, that's amazing. He goes, yeah. And he goes, I never told you that. And I said, no, you never did. And you should have. You know, we need to hear stuff like that. I'm sorry. You know, we pray for people all the time. And. And, you know, people that come for weeks and weeks and weeks and you pray, you pray, you pray, and then all of a sudden they quit coming. You wondered, well, did you offend them or did they get healed? And they don't need to come anymore. But that was, you know, that was an amazing story. Another story, uh, testimony that I have is there was a woman that came in and wanted um, prayer for her knees. And the doctors wouldn't give her knee surgery because she was severely overweight severely overweight and she was on oxygen and um she wanted you know and and i mean in a, you have to you have to be tactful when you're praying for people because you you just can't say well you know if you'd lose some weight especially to a woman 
you know, because then you're going to get hurt and you're going to need prayer. <laughs> so, you, you, so how do I pray for this and, and not offend anybody? Well, Lord, I ask that you would give her uh, more stamina, more energy to get up and, and, and walk and, okay, exercise. I didn't say exercise, I said walk. And, you know, maybe, you know, and, and, and move around more. And this woman was on oxygen. And she goes, well, yeah, it, and it probably would help if I quit smoking. And I go, what? You're on oxygen and you're still smoking? Keep that up and you won't have to worry about your knees. You'll just explode. So anyway, she wanted me to pray for um, a spirit of addiction to leave. And I told her I wouldn't do it. And, and we'll get more into that in, into deliverance, but I said I wouldn't do it because if you go out and you light up a cigarette, it's going to be seven times worse than it is right now. And I won't do it. And she threw a fit. And she goes, no, I'm ready to quit. I'm ready to quit. I said, okay, but this one's on you. And so I started to pray. And she goes, wait a minute. And she reached down into her bag and she pulls out like four brand new packs of cigarettes. And I said to her, I go, are you serious? I don't, I don't smoke, never have. I don't know what four packs of cigarettes cost, but that's got to be like 30 bucks, you know. And, and she goes, yeah, I'm serious. She goes, take them. And I go, okay, yeah, I want them. And so I, I put them over on the chair, and I had no faith praying for this woman. I would have bet money, a lot of money. She would have she lit up before she got to the car. And, um, and so anyway, I prayed, Lord, that, that you would take away this spirit of addiction we commanded to go now in Jesus' name, that you, would, that you would just pull all the tar and nicotine craving out of her body, and that she would be set free in, in the name and by the blood of Jesus. And I said, okay. I go, you agree with that? And she goes, Yes. And I said, okay, thanks for coming in. You know, well, actually, we seal it, you know, that Satan can't come and steal the word she was, you know, it was said. But she walked by Jan, and Jan was sitting out by the door, and she goes, I know he's your husband, but I hate him. <laughs> and so you know right away, she comes shooting back there going, what did you do to that lady? And I told her the story. Had no faith, no faith for this lady whatsoever. This lady came back. Two weeks later, had not smoked a cigarette, gave me a big hug and told me how much she loved me. <laughs> I hadn't seen that lady for probably six years or so. And we moved into this church where we, where we are now. And this woman came up to me and she goes, she goes, hi, do you remember me? And I looked at her. I said, no, ma'am, I, I, I don't. You know, I pray for a lot of people. I just don't remember you. And she goes, well, you wouldn't pray for me to quit smoking. And I go, that's you? This woman had lost, I bet you, hundreds, 200 pounds. And she has still, to that day, hadn't smoked. And, and had gotten back into um, uh, helping at the church, ministry at church and stuff. And it's just like, I, you know, it's amazing. I had no faith, but God did. So that's fun right there. So you, you've, got to, you've got to put action to your faith. Once you pray for somebody, have them do something that you couldn't do before. The other thing in the healing rooms, when we pray, we pray very specifically. We got away from that shotgun prayer. Oh, God, heal them if it's your will. You know, No, what do we want the Father to do? If you go back and you look into the Old Testament, God is very specific about how he wanted things done. You know, when he, when he had the, the priest put together the, the breastplate with all the 12 stones, he wanted gold, gold rings on each corner. He wanted a scarlet ribbon that, that weaves through that. He wanted the stones in just the right place. When he wanted Moses to build the ark, he was very specific on how he wanted that ark built. Okay? When somebody comes in to pray when they want prayer, what is it that they want God to do? Now, and when you come to our healing rooms, you fill out a form. Same here? Okay. They fill out a form, and they write on there uh, different stuff, and then they write what they want prayer for. 
And when they come into the room, we do a real quick interview. You know, because what we do is we pray over that folder and we ask the Lord to give us words and pictures and scriptures and things like that. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. And, and so then what we do is we open it up and we read who it is and what church denomination, if they have one, because we don't want to offend anybody. If they're not used to being around uh, people praying in the Spirit, we don't pray in the Spirit out loud because we don't want to offend them. But we'll read what they, you know, what they wanted prayer for. And some people, they'll, they'll fill out that little section and they'll write all the way around the page and they'll write on the back and... I've had people bring in legal-sized papers. This is what I need prayer for. But then I go, how can we pray for you tonight? Well, didn't you read that? Well, yeah, I read that, but what do you want prayer for tonight? And it's interesting that a lot of people will tell you something other than what's written down. Have you found that? Oh, yeah. They, will, they, will, they, they want something that's totally not there. And so we pray about that, what they want prayer for. So, um, well, let's take, I mean, you've got a sling on. <laughs> Obviously, you need help. <laughs> so it would be like, how can I pray for you? What's going on? What happened? Tendon on to my elbow. Mm -hmm. And then overusing this hand, so I've made sharp pains in this hand. So this, you're compensating for this and this. and Okay. How long has it been going on? Okay. Does it hurt right now? Yes. Well, then don't do that. <laughs> okay. And so, tendonitis is what exactly? It's uh, the tendon is torn from the bone. Okay. So what you want, what we want God to do is we want God to heal that tendon, that ligament those muscles and that joint because there's inflammation there's pain and he knows that if he moves that a certain way it's gonna hurt so he has the memory of pain to deal with as well and and your wrist is the same way right into the hand here in the wrist okay okay i probably have the same thing i noticed it the other day because i lift I lift big, long planks of wood to put them in the saw, yeah. and you know my it's tender, it's sore. So, but I, that's not a word of knowledge. I mean, I'm sharing it because <laughs> that's what I got. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're just gonna pray, and so you, I mean, you just you can just pray with me, or you come into an agreement. We tell the person that we're praying for, you don't pray, because this is your time to receive, and you ought to see the look on intercessor's face when you tell him not to pray. <laughs> oh. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> the intercessors don't know how not to pray. So I'm just going to pray. Is it okay if I touch you? Yeah. Okay. And what's your name? Bill. Really? Bill. No, I said really. Oh, really. <laughs> Father, I thank you for Bill. I thank you, Lord, that he was here tonight. And Lord, I know that you want to touch his elbow and his wrist. So Father, right now, in the name and by the blood of Jesus... I ask, Lord, that you would reconnect that tendon and that ligament now in Jesus' name, that it would reattach to the bone where it's supposed to. I command those to line up with the Word of God, which is perfect. Lord, I bless his muscles and his joint to be pain-free. I command all the inflammation and irritation to leave that area of his body right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that you would release the shalom peace of God to fill his, his arm. Lord, I command the same thing for his wrist on the other hand, that he's compensated, he's overworked it. Lord, that you would bring peace to both areas, that you would reconnect the things that have been hurt, that you would restore what has been stolen. Father, that you would give him back full mobilization, that you would make Satan pay back the time that he has lost from work and from doing things around the house and the finances that he has spent going to the doctor. Lord, that you make Satan pay. Lord, I bless him to be amazing. I bless him to be healed in Jesus' name. I command that pain to go now. 
complete restoration in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Okay? How's it feel now? Now, don't lie to me. No, it feels good. How's it feel? Can you make it hurt? I know I can, but can you? <laughs> it's got a little bit of a thing right into here still, but okay. the, the elbow is... Okay, that's fine. Before, when I touched that real hard, it would hurt. If I touched it really hard? When I did before. Oh, okay. So you still have some in your forearm? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's awesome. So it's like, what, 80% better? Yeah. Okay. But when Jesus died on the cross, he died for 100%. That's right. Okay, he didn't die for 80%. So we'll pray again. Okay? Father, we thank you. We thank you for what you've done, Lord. We praise you. We praise you for this healing. We praise you for this restoration. We praise you that that, that, that inflammation is gone, that tenderness is gone. But Lord, we want it all. Lord, I just speak to the muscles right here in his forearm, and I bless them. I bless them to be strong. I bless them to contract and release the way that you designed them. Lord, I ask for an increase of blood flow because there's healing and life in the blood that you would restore his arm and his hand, his wrist, his elbow to full mobilization. Let it come, Lord. Let it come. Let it come, Lord. Thank you, Father. More. Give him more. Give him more, Lord. Give him more. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. How is it now? I believe in stepping out in faith. It's good? Well, that was risky. <laughs> How is it? Good? Okay. Um, I'm going to give you homework. And, and, and I do this quite a bit. It's now when, when, you get ready for, when you get ready for bed or you get up in the morning, you get your clothes on, when you're, when you're taking a shower, you just bless your elbow. Lay hands on yourself and bless your elbow. I bless this elbow to be healed. I bless this elbow to work the way that God designed it. I thank you, Lord, for this wrist, and I thank you. And you give him thanks and praise for what he has done. Okay? That's your homework. And you start speaking and, and, and prophesying over your own body. Okay? So then when we get done praying for somebody, then we always seal the deal. I don't seal the deal, but... <laughs> yeah. I'll take that 20 now. <laughs> Father, I thank you. Oh, Lord Jesus, I thank you for the healing that this man has received tonight because he is worthy. Father, he is a blessing. I thank you for the joy that he has and the sweet spirit he has. And Lord, I seal this time right now with the blood of Jesus. Satan, you have no more power. You have no more authority. You cannot come and steal what has been sown into this good soil. Lord, and we just, we just expect more. We expect a great harvest through his whole body in Jesus' name. I seal this with the blood of Jesus. Amen and amen. There you go. Oh, yeah, that's what I do. Not me. It's not me. It's Jesus. You know, one thing that really, you know, always sends a flag up for me is you talk to somebody or you tell somebody that you have, in the, you know, you have a healing ministry, and they go, oh, I've been healing people for 20 years. And it's like, oh, man, you haven't healed anybody. <laughs> Jesus is healed, okay? Don't take credit for a healing that he did, yeah. all right? <laughs> oh, no, no, you, you got to give that back. It wasn't intended for you. I'd scoot over closer because there's more coming. When we pray over folders, I, I don't get what I say. I don't get a lot of, I don't see a lot of pictures. Uh, you know, and I, and I, Lord, I want a body part. You show me a body part. You know, I want to know right now. You know, and that's what you got to do. If you're not seeing things, if the Lord's not giving you things, then you ask for them. 
Lord, show me what I need to be praying for. Show me what I'm, you know, what I'm doing. And then, you know, I'll take somebody's hands and I'll say, can I have your hands? And when we make that connection, boom, I get a download. 99.9% .9 of the time. And, you know, it's, um, you know, like for you, you're a very hard worker. You have worked a long and hard, and you have put your body through a bunch of stuff. And the Lord has healed you over and over and over and over. And he continues to give you strength. And you have great favor in the Lord. You have a very sweet spirit, and, and you uh, have a lot of compassion. You put a lot of other people before yourself. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect, but most of the time, can I get an amen? But most of the, you know, I mean, you're one of those people that if they need help, you're there. And, and you have done that. And the Lord has seen all that you've done. And, and, and you make him smile. You really do. He loves you a lot. And he trusts you. And I believe that you're going to start to see great things. And I believe you're going to see the healings and the signs and the wonders that you've been looking for. Okay? And, and he's going to pour that out in your life because, because you're a very humble man. You're a very godly man. You are a blessing. And he has blessed you to be a blessing. Amen? Amen. Is that right? Okay. Whew, thank you, Jesus. That could have gone bad real fast. No, that's, I mean, that's just... That's, that's what I do. Yeah, that's the Lord. Okay? Um, yeah, let's see where I'm at here. Okay, let's do this. The question is, do you really believe slash trust the Word in Christ Jesus? And, the question, and, and, and really the truth is, no. How many of you here believe that it's for everybody else but you? I can pray for everybody else, but I can't pray for myself. Do we have any of those here? Come on. <laughs> There's one man in here that tells the truth. Thank you, Jesus. You need to know that you're worthy. You need to know that you are worthy. If somebody would read 2 Samuel 22:31, please. Psalm 37, 5. Amen. Psalm 56, 3 and 4. Okay. Psalm 62, 8. Are you starting to see a pattern here <laughs> that we are to trust him? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Amen. And Jeremiah 39, 18. The definition of trust means confidence, sure, firm, hope, and secure. What keeps you from trusting the Word, the Holy Spirit, and the Father? Doubt your doubt. Do not doubt your faith. On the other hand, faith is the currency of heaven. As a result, Satan wants to kill your faith more than anything. While doubtfulness, doubtfulness is a chronic condition of the mind, the measure of your faith indicates the measure of your victory. Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing, and hearing by the word of God. That's why we read these things out loud. Okay? That's where our faith comes from. It doesn't come from the doctor. It doesn't come from the neighbor. It comes from the word. Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, and the conviction of things not seen. 2 Corinthians 5, 7, For we walk by faith and not by sight. 
Mark eleven twenty two, and Jesus replied to them, saying, "Have faith in God." Satan doesn't want your money. Here's some revelation for you. Satan doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your kids. He doesn't want your car, your house. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want your health. What he wants is to steal your faith. If he can take your faith, he's beaten you. Okay? It's just that simple. He doesn't need that stuff. But if he can get you to, to, to quit, to give up, to walk away from your faith, then he's beaten you. Okay? That is, that's huge. We see a lot of people come in. They haven't completely lost their faith, but they are drowning in hopelessness and fear, um, condemnation. They're so in the midst of this storm, they can't see that there's a silver lining. They can't see that just beyond that is restoration. We're so focused on the storm. Okay? What we want to do is we want to come alongside you. We've had people come in that have had cancer and that have had uh, marriages broken up and all these types of things. I can't guarantee you that you will be 100% completely healed. And I don't know if that's just my humanness or what. But what I will guarantee you is that I stand beside you. I will pray for you. I will lift you up. I will be there if you call me. I will, I will come visit you. I will lay hands on you. I will not leave you. I will, I'll, I'll go, I will go the extra mile. Christianity is not a, is not a, a relationship of convenience. It's not. If anything, it's a relationship of inconvenience because you're going to get that call when you least want to go out. You're going to get that call to go to the hospital when you really have got other things to do. You know, I'm thankful that when this ministry really started to grow that all of our children were grown, so I didn't take time away from our kids because my compassion and, and my love for hurting people is, it could cost me, you know. Uh, praise God it didn't, it didn't do that. Um, but anyway, um, you know, it's not, a, it's not a relationship of convenience. And a lot of us don't like to be inconvenienced. We just don't. But when you can see somebody's elbow be healed and you can see that their wrist is pain-free, boom, that's worth the price you'll pay. And, I, you know, and the price is high, but that's fun right there. And that's just one, and we're not, we haven't even gone through this deal yet. God is awesome. Down at the bottom of the page, it says, Smith Wigglesworth said, I am not moved but by what I see, but what I believe. A lot of times, I don't see healings in the room that I'm in. A lot of times, you know, I see bondages broken. I see people getting set free of different stuff. Um, but I don't see actual physical you know, miracles all the time. But I know that they happen. I'm not moved by that stuff. I'm moved by what I believe. I believe when I release what the Lord wants me to release, in His name, something always happens. And that's all I need. You know, and, and when we talk about authority and, and walking in your authority, um, you really need to know your authority. As a believer, you need to know your authority. You need to know that when you, as a temple of the Holy Spirit, as a temple of the living God, when you walk into the room, the atmosphere should literally change in that room. When you walk into a hospital room, you have just brought in the essence of God, the glory of God. And you need to come from that position of strength and power. Okay? Don't let wheelchairs intimidate you. Don't let crutches or artificial arms and legs intimidate you? Is it, is it, is it harder to have faith, more faith to have somebody get up out of a wheelchair than it is for them to come up out of the grave? No, it's the same faith. Is it, the, is it, is it as hard for that person to get out of a wheelchair uh, than it is for God to heal that stiff neck? 
Nope, same faith. Don't let that stuff intimidate you. You know, that's the power of God. It's fun. It is a riot. And I love it. Bud. Okay, it's 9 o'clock. Thank you, Jana. It's 9 o'clock. And so um, tomorrow we're going to start at 8. Okay, um, so yeah, come here at 8.30, uh, uh, and we'll take breaks throughout the day. Um, some of our team will show up at noon, and, and they will start ministering at 1 o'clock. You know, our desire uh, is to minister to everybody that shows up, you know, to, for, for you all to get something. Even if you don't need something, get prayer anyway. You can never get enough prayer, okay? 8.30 sharp. All right. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the amazing people in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And Lord, we just, we just declare right now in Jesus' name that this, fire, this, this city will be set on fire for the glory of God. I declare it. I decree it in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask that you would bless these people that, that are here and bless the people that wanted to be here. Lord, uh, that you would give everybody safe travels back to their home. Lord, I ask that you would give them dreams and visions tonight, that you would stir up their spirit. Lord, that you would have an encounter with them tonight at home, that their sleep would be deep and restful and peaceful. Lord, that they would be back here early and, and excited for what you're going to do tomorrow. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for the, the vineyard of Cheyenne. I thank you for their pastor and their leadership. I ask that you would increase them in numbers in the congregation. And I ask that you would bless their finances. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. All right. We'll see you in the morning.